0: I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I Actually, they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for episodes uh, two, and well, I guess three and four, because the first one was a two-parter, of Cracker and American Cracker, Cracker Mind Over Murder. Uh, Mind Over Murder, oh my God. I'm still embarrassed to be saying that. Uh, uh, but anyway... Mad Woman and Lemmings Will Fly. That is not the way they are presented on the YouTube uh, playlist when you buy them, but it is how they originally aired. And apart from one episode, uh, which was aired way out of order because of some nonsense, like two years after the show uh, premiered, we are going to be watching them in the airing order because we have no information about what the intended order was. Uh, prepare for... The shortest episode of profiling criminal minds ever. <laughs> I
1: know.
2: I watched them and I just went.
0: You can't believe it, can you?
2: I it's it's so. Um, I it, it, it well as I understand why it was canceled. Um, that's number one. <laughs> number two, as I was trying to say. I'm embarrassed to be watching these. Kind of. It's just, we we want to be completists. We try. Well, very I mean,
0: the thing is, like. So we're going to watch them through to the end, however. Well, no, but I here's the thing. These are bad. These are two we bad are hours bad. of television. Like, just bad.
2: I'm trying to think how anyone watching this who had not seen the original cracker would understand a damn thing about what was going on yep it's like okay plus you know in you know instead of calling in lemmings instead of calling him a girl or tra- her a girl or transsexual or something yep. calls him gay and i'm just like
0: oh you missed the point entirely
2: of this, this entire, this entire thing. Yep. Um, it, it, it is, um, you know, you, you it had, it's I
0: just know. Like
2: they take, took the scripts, they cut yep. them up. Yeah. You know, to fit 47 minutes.
0: And they just cut out a bunch and added some in, uh, it's, to make it's it American. to make it American. Exactly. Well, and I mean, I think that's worth considering. Okay, so the first one is Madwoman. Let's do Madwoman first. And it's the exact same episode, uh, except... And uh, there are moments missing. Like, because they've already done the line about the feminist professor and the housekeeper, who we never see, by the way... Uh, the housekeeper and all that, uh, they've already done that. So we don't get him going out with her. We've jumped right to them splitting up and her, him begging her to come back. Right. And here's the issue because they didn't establish the gambling in the pilot. Right. Her suddenly saying, uh, would it, that, uh, she wants the house to be in her name does seem like it's coming completely out of left field. Like, is this a degenerate gambler? Because they want to, like, how do I put this? The smart thing that Cracker does is in the first episode, we find out that, yeah, he's a degenerate gambler. He stole money and he lost money. He stole 10 grand by forging her signature and he lost it. And that gives her every reason to leave. But this fits. We don't get any information, right, about what his gambling is like and how his gambling has impacted the family. So when he says that's completely out of left field, that the house has to be in her name, we don't know that he's wrong. You know, like, it's, it's so weird how they're using moments from the original, but without the context that makes those moments make sense.
2: Do you hear me arguing?
0: Okay, good. (laughs) I didn't think you would.
2: Arguing? Yeah. As I said, I'm watching this, and well, but the biggest problem is that you cannot in any way, shape, or form like this guy. No. He's, I think, in some ways, They miscast, Uh, yes, you're right, Gandolfini would have been better. Yep. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, what's his face? Pauly would have been better.
0: Um, Pauly? Paul Servino. Paul Servino or Paul Servino type, yep. You know. Um, But the thing is, like, you could even, even if you went a completely different way with it, Right. There are guys you could have gotten who could be charming and scumbags, you know, hmm. who could have been a charming scumbag and sold it to the audience.
2: Let's put Ray Liotta in there.
0: Yeah. Like a Ray Liotta or a Ray Liotta type, you know, yeah. <laughs> There, I mean, uh, to go back to it, put Tony Denison in there. Boom. Put
2: Tony Denison in there and we've got it.
0: Y- you got right. something there like a Ray Liotta type. Someone who's just come in and do that. And it, where someone who could be charming and still be this messed up, self-destructive guy who's still charming. And he just, this, he's not right for it. He's just not right for it. And the show is not selling the character the way it should.
1: Yeah. It's so. A, well,
2: he, the, the old term was he's a rake. Yeah. Yes. I mean, he does these kinds of bad things and he cons people and he's, but he's so charming. And it's really hard to.
0: Yeah, be too mad mad
2: at him. him. Basically, really hard. And that is what they're going for. Get in the original cracker. You don't necessarily, you're never going to, well, if if you weren't married to him, you would probably like him. If you didn't have to work with him, you would probably like him because his students love him. Oh, absolutely. Because he's just such a charming person, but they don't have to live with him. They don't have. Work with him in the police department, and he gets you know he's in. in let's talk about Mad Woman. So mm-hmm. what he is is just he's given these lines, and that and he doesn't get. He is not able to convey any kind of sympathy. No, like I cannot like. I I cannot like this cracker. I do not want to watch this guy.
0: <laughs> well, anymore. no, and the thing I think part of it is. <sighs> And you tell me what you think about this, because this was my take as I was watching uh, Pastorelli doing it, right? (sighs) I... Okay, Fitz, the original Fitz, the Fitz we're talking about, I think that there is this deep well of self-loathing that is sitting at the bottom of all of the original Fitz's, Robbie Coltrane's interactions. Agreed. He knows he's screwing up. And, uh, and as he's being smug and as he's being smarter than ever, and as he's dunking on people, he knows he's screwing up, but he can't help himself. And he hates himself for doing that. And he has 50 different coping mechanisms. One of which is just, he's half drunk all the time yep. and he can't stop himself. And he's angry at himself because he's the perfect example of this guy who completely understands the human mind, but has no control over his own persona. And that's what I love about him, you know? <laughs> this is what I love about the man. This is what and I love he about the character. Uses
2: to do anything about
0: it. Yes. And I don't get... Oh, exactly. And that's what makes Did him you? in many ways so contemptible.
2: And what happens is... But it does make you understand his wife's position. Yeah. It does make you understand his son's position. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, the daughter was too young, really, yeah of these episodes to have an impact and to see really what it was like you know she just missed daddy when mommy took off exactly even if she only went to the grandparents yeah right um she didn't go that far no not Uh, at all and you know so and this is
0: this fits i know he is smug that's what I'm getting at. Yes, there That's is a smugness that comes over that overrides everything else.
2: Yeah, that you don't get with the other
0: character. No. He is like, is is there? Well, you can say there's a smugness to the way he lords stuff over people, but there is always this center of self doubt and self loathing that makes you understand that the smugness is just another defense mechanism.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, and- this guy? Just
2: seems smug. Just seems smug and a know-it-all. Yeah, like I. Think it
0: please, now. Please go.
2: Yeah, here's here's if I was to give pastorel Pastorelli Pastorelli a little bit of a break.
1: Yeah. No,
2: I, I I was gonna say if you could give him, it's probably nobody made him watch the original Cracker.
1: Maybe. Um,
2: but that should be part of his homework who have watched the original Cracker.
0: I mean, unless he wanted to, well, I say unless he wants unless. to do completely his own thing with it, you know?
2: Yes, but that, then he's made a bad choice, Yeah. and he's not a good enough actor.
0: Yeah, to sell it.
2: To sell it, unlike Dennison, or, I mean, can you imagine Vinny in a role like this? I know.
0: I mean, you know? He, was, uh, he was out of it, uh, out of acting by this point. But yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely could see someone like that. I mean, the thing is, there's so many actors who we love who could have done this. Like, imagine, like, okay, I'm going to say the absolute right person for this. Are you ready Mm -hmm. for this? American actor working at this time, needed a job, would have been perfect in the park because he had already done something a lot like it. And this is just a hardcore version of it. Gary Cole. Well, of course. You put (laughs) Gary Cole in this in 1997. Oh, my God. Like, because he is, he yeah. can do the charming and he can do the self-hating and he can, do, like, all of the things this character requires, we can see Gary Cole doing. Oh, yeah. And he's
2: doing it in NCIS
0: right now. Exactly. Like, you put Gary Cole in this instead of Robert Pastorelli and you you show him what Robbie Coltrane did and you you really dig into the character. I really yeah. think you could have had something. But it's like this time, because it's tough finding, like, who was the right actor for the moment. Like, who was the right actor to cast at the time it was made? Because there's all sorts of people we could say X or Y would have been great at this part. But I, you're saying American television, 1997, who's the right person to put in it? It's Gary Cole.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's who should have been in this. I mean, if you couldn't get James Gandolfini, who is, of course, the absolute right person to do this.
2: Yes. As we saw
0: in The Sopranos. <laughs> I gotta say, it must have hurt, like, the guy who made uh, Gun. To be like the per, he was to be the guy who put James Gandolfini on HBO's radar, right? Yeah. And then asks James Gandolfini to do a network show with him, and James Gandolfini doesn't do it, right? And then HBO makes James Gandolfini a giant star, and the show becomes a hit. Like that <laughs> must have hurt. Yeah. I like
2: I. Who knows what this guy's what the budget was for this? Yeah. what we haven't looked into it, but, um, I think that it, it, you had to, they obviously ease things off. Like I was, we, we can talk about both of them together because they're both disastrous.
0: They are. Yeah. In some ways. Um, Hey, but Hey, great saying, uh, Simon Adebisi, just getting to play some guy. <laughs> like, we're so used to him playing these incredibly odd characters, like Simon Adebisi, like Mr. Echo on Lost. It's just, it's great to see him just playing a dude. Yeah. Who turns out to be a monk. Uh yeah. And they can't afford to go to the monastery, so you lose, like, the most important part of it. And in fact, oh my god, the stuff they cut out of this episode. Because, are they completely, because it's American television, are they unwilling to to, uh, delve into what being a lapsed cat, like how central to Fitz's personality being a lapsed Catholic is. Um,
2: see, this is what I'm trying to figure out because what they did was they, of course, took the, the black guy that they had first arrested
1: and, um, and then let go. No, that was a different episode. No, you're thinking of a different episode.
2: No, no. I was thinking I was thinking in this episode it was um wasn't the it the black cop. There was a black cop in this
0: episode. Well, I mean there's uh there's Robert Wisdom who's there playing the back part. Uh oh yeah, no, no, in, 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 in the American Cracker. I'm yeah. thinking back to,
2: I'm trying to think back to that very first episode.
0: Oh, of the original. Yes, of I see. Original,
2: right? The, and they oh you know, so there, there's, um, they're not even, they avoid the racism. Yep. Um, they avoid. Completely. Uh,
0: like no yeah, one, but, uh, it never comes up that he's a black guy and white women have been murdered. Yeah. Never bother to talk about the Catholicism stuff. Never, uh, not really talked about, not really not dug not into not, it at all.
2: No, because I don't know whether, whether this. They they just think that Americans don't want that. Well, I mean they did that with Shamar Moore.
0: Yeah. For some of the best television that yeah. Criminal Minds did before season 16. Yeah. You know? It's uh it's it's weird how this episode like it botches this st- by missing how do I put this? It loses any chance to tell us about fits by cutting yeah. all of the scenes with fits and the Fitz and the amnesiac, right?
2: But is it, is it because here, here's, here's the issue. Cause 1997, 97. No, when, when was this, this one done? 97? 97
0: and the original was 95.
2: Okay. So we're just at the point of having flawed. Yeah. Characters We're but, and the First male all,
0: anti-hero cracker. that shows are built around.
2: And Cracker is
0: that. And yeah. I mean, we talked in the original show the about how, character. in many ways, Cracker is the template for what would go on to be the golden age of television.
2: Yeah. And, and in terms of the flawed hero, and maybe they were caught in that bind of they couldn't have their central character. Be that unlikable. Yeah. No, be, well, because if you're that unlikable, you have to have redeeming qualities. You have to understand why his wife married him in the first place.
0: Yeah, and they don't sell that. And the thing is, it's like, say this about Fitz. He's he's a scumbag, but he's legitimately charming and funny. Yes. He is. In a way yeah. that this Fitz isn't and doesn't get a chance to be. No. Because like, this one is, that part isn't even the fault of Pastorelli. Right? Because this character isn't given a chance to get those character moments where he's endearing, you know? Yeah.
2: I mean, even when he's with his baby. I know. I mean that that really that was in the Lemmings thing, right? yeah. where because that's what this is. This is a breakdown of what they've done to the character that's making him um unpalatable. Yeah. Now, and I would think most people not watching it wouldn't have sat down and said, well, why is it so unpalatable, right? Yeah. Um, but they wouldn't have said that, but they would have known it was unpalatable and they didn't particularly
0: like it. Well, and I mean- That has to be what this it is. This weird part of rather than like, you look at the original and the, the therapist, his wife brings <clears throat> as a middleman, right? Who is just a guy- who's a professional, right? Uh, and, you know, does a perfectly good job. And, you know, Fitz tries to sabotage his uh, therapy group because he knows that this guy's trying to sleep with his wife and he's angry about it. Whereas in this version, the guy they cast, I mean, it's not even just the casting, I'm sure the, ca- the actor's fine, the decision to make him this, like, post-hippie, long-haired... Like, he is coded... So you can dismiss him and everything he says immediately. Yeah. So instead of like making Fitz have to make an argument for himself and his passions, they make the guy who's opposed to him so ludicrous that he can't be taken seriously. Oh, I know. It's it's the, it's putting the thumb on the scales. It's like, oh, we forgot to make our character likable so, or like at least interesting enough to be compelling. So let's make everyone else a joke. That's a weird choice. It's just a yeah, weird choice. The whole thing is a weird choice. Yeah. Uh but the rest of the episode plays out pretty much the same. Uh and honestly, this it was an interesting they make one major change that I thought was legitimately interesting, which is going in to see the lady.
2: Oh, and ha- and 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 it's her husband. Yes, yeah, her was-
0: husband has died and she's not coping with it. Yeah. And So much. That was actually much better. It's a good, well, no, but I mean, the the weird part is in the original. It's in the original, they pointed out that it's not realistic. And I mean, this is a change they made. They had it be, they live in the same city, right? Yeah. They live in the same city. So it's only like 20 minutes for Fitz to drive over there after she's made this claim. Whereas, they want to give Fitz, forced to have him spend a lot of time with the amnesiac to develop Fitz in the original, so they've got to tra- get take a train up there for four hours. And yeah. in the original, of course, she couldn't have kept that lie going. The cops are going to talk to her and find out almost immediately, right? Yes. But, you know, Fitz has already gotten on the train, and so by the time they get there, they know what's really going on. Whereas here, because it's all in the same city, they can just drive over there, and Fitz can be the one to find out that this isn't his wife that her husband has died. Right. And it's a good scene. I'm not going to say it's not a good scene. It is a good scene. It is well done. I don't know if it belonged in the original, but it is like, it is a good scene of seeing Fitz, you know, profiling someone.
2: Well, yeah, that's the funny thing. And maybe they should have done a little bit more care and they should have rewritten. Like, I think that there was a lot more rewriting needed to be done. Um, either, I don't know if they had consistent directors. They probably
0: didn't. It's television.
2: Yeah. And that's the problem. As I have noted in, um, Criminal Minds many times.
0: Yeah. The the quality of the director has a massive impact on the quality of the episode.
2: Which is why the first two episodes of Criminal Minds season 16 were so good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, Because they, there was a consistency
1: Mm -hmm. in the first
2: hours or so and um but this is i don't know it's whether whoever the showrunner is doesn't didn't he must have watched fix of course He must have watched
0: it there's no planet on which he didn't watch all of it and see what may and thought he knew what made it work and he was just unable to bring that and so i mean really there's only so much to talk about in the original um I'm not gonna to try to pronounce his name because I don't remember how to pronounce his name. So I'm gonna stick with Simon Adabisi. Perfectly good job, but he doesn't get the play that the with what he's given, but he doesn't get the material to play with that the original guy did, right? right. He doesn't get that great moment of uh, you know, <laughs> asking why the mass is in English. Yes. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> That's such a good moment in the original. He doesn't get moments like that, right? And he doesn't get um, a chance to sit in the idea of he can, because all of his time around is spent around people, you know, searching for God and meditating on religion and faith, how there is this ingrained understanding that there's something missing from Fitz. And how he can tell just by being around him that Fitz is a lapsed Catholic. Yeah. Like, he can just know from Fitz's bearing that Fitz is a lapsed Catholic because this is a man for whom religion is his entire life. And that's all stuff that the original guy got to play that the star, that the the, the guest star doesn't get to play this time.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And it's frustrating that he didn't get better material because he's damn good at what he is given to do. But yeah, uh, fundamentally, the exact same thing happens. They just look for... um. Uh, they just look for sex offenders who take the train and they find the killer. And It's not that complicated. <laughs> once, they, once they dismiss the idea that the guy they've got locked up is the killer, the actual killer is not that hard to find. But uh, he even does the same thing where he calls in and pretends to be a priest and Fitz knows right away that, well, not right away, but very quickly that it's like the one thing a priest is never going to do is violate confession. Ever. Ever, ever, ever so yeah uh really really frustrating episode but not half as frustrating as the next one <laughs> and by the way how do you make this effectively the second main episode of your show and it it really the thing that i can't believe they left in right i can't believe they left in is him asking Penhaligon to go away with him and then ditching out on her. Like you don't with understand for no reason. Yeah. Like
1: like you I mean, can't he's... even
0: understand why. Yeah. Because in the original here it's just he doesn't go away with her cuz he's drunk because he thinks the guy didn't kill Billy?
1: Yeah.
0: Or Jimmy? Jimmy I think it is. And I I'm said... like What? that that's it. No, like in the original where, yes, that was haunting him, but it was haunting him because it made him think about the fact that he's abandoning his family and he should like try to be there for the people who rely on him. And that's why he's sit, you know, has the choice between running to the train, Like the phone is ringing and he can go to the train station or he can be with his family in their garden and he chooses the garden. You know, yes. like that's key for what he, how he wants to self-identify. Well, plus right? it's really
2: been set up that, that Penn Halligan, I mean, because in this Penn Halligan comes off like a,
1: like, like she's chasing him or whatever. Well, you no, know? but
0: I mean, there's this problem because they're
1: already having an affair.
0: is like, that-, that was the mistake. Yes, that was established in the two-parter. That's why making the last real episode of Cracker the first thing you make is so badly structured. Because if you look at this scene in the original, he has been coming on to her nonstop for five hours of television so far, right? Uh, and he just says, "I'm going to go for broke and suggest we run away together <laughs> because I'm fun and you need someone uncomplicated in your life." And I'm like. Uh, yeah, you're not uncomplicated, un- Fitz, but I, I do like how you're marketing yourself, <laughs> right? In the original, whereas here, they already have been having an affair and it didn't really work out. And then they don't act- interact at all in Mad Woman, And then they barely interact here. And then suddenly they're running off together and he's disappointing her. And I'm like, no, you have to move these character scenes, around, these moments around to different episodes. Like, you shouldn't make it that they're already having... Well, I mean, but it's what we talked about last week. You can't make it that he's already been working with the police for ages. You can't make it so that they're already having an affair. Like, you have to have somewhere for these characters to go. Because I don't know where any of this is going to go. And you can't have them fatally break up his marriage by admitting that he wouldn't give his life for her the way he would for his kids all in the first episode. Because it leaves you with nowhere to go. Like we talked about how that kind of screwed up um the Cracker the Return. Because yeah. they had been left with nowhere to go and they he tried to go back to it by the original. It's so frustrating. Oh my god. It's just it really bothered me the way they just use those elements. And there is such a tragedy in the teacher that is that is missing here. Right? There's no
1: character development in None it.
0: whatsoever. But just the idea that this guy was molested as a kid, and he became a pedophile, and he's attracted to, but he's attracted to women. He's like, I'm going to go to work at a boys' school, and I'm never going to be around a little girl, and there's going to be no problem. I'm going to be in control of my life. And boom, trans girl. Yeah. The thing he never saw coming. And... Oh my god, like that that extra layer of it is so interesting. But missing the like they miss the first scene when he tries to kill himself. I know. You miss, you completely leave out the whole society turning on him and making him a pariah. All of that's gone. No, he just he just he just does an expository. Yeah. Well, my life is a problem now. You lose all of the stuff. With with Tim's family. Right? All of the stuff with Tim's family and the various reactions and why, you know, the fa- like why they were so brutal and why having Tim there and Tim being trans screwing screwed up all of the family dynamics and the different ways the parents react to the crime and the uh and then them going after the teacher so they don't have to deal with their own stuff. Like all of this, you lose everything that made Lemmings Will Fly so interesting.
1: Oh, like well, you yeah. lost everything. Look, this is before, this is American
2: television. Yeah. And that is the biggest problem. And well, it's not the biggest problem, but. Because if you had made each of these two episodes, you could have taken some of that stuff in. and yeah. you, But it—it it was the cut and paste is bad. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Someone should have had, you know, me as their screen, their, their writer, editor. yeah, write their editor and said, yeah, but this doesn't make sense. But you can't do this. But this doesn't. You can't move from here to here because the audience is going to go say what and yeah. not going to bother. It becomes moot. And you, and the problem is the key, the key to making cracker work is that you have to somehow or another hate like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or
2: love, hate the the main character. Yeah.
0: You know, because you have to get on board with fits. You have to get on board for whatever reason you want to get on board with him. You do have to get on board with him.
2: Yeah. And you might have been able to, like in the first episode, there was a chance that they could do it. But once you hit mad woman and then you hit lemmings and there's nothing there. I mean, Fitz doesn't even have an ounce. Like he says things, but do you really believe it?
0: No. Nope.
2: Sometimes when he says them, it's just like, okay, this is rote. He also has no understanding of any of these issues. Yeah, they called him gay, and I'm just going, no, no, Fitz, Fitz understood. Yeah, it's British Fitz understood,
1: mm-hmm. which only
2: goes to tell you, of course, that this is this is one of those big things between America. I just rewatched because um, it was on Vision and so some like it hot was on again right right so that is playing with the issues yeah it's all it's all being it's all in code there right of with course. the issue of dressing men dressing like women mhm and um it i'm not even going to think that i mean we've talked before about this but you, I mean, there's a wonderful picture of Bob Hope and Jackie Gleason, I think. Yeah. Right in drag. Mm-hmm. But the Brits have always had um, a whole section of their theater or their popular theater as uh, entirely drag. That's
0: entirely drag. I mean, and even look at Monty Python. Oh yeah. Right. No. It is impossible to talk about, like, theater, English theater, without talking about drag. And moreover, the entire, not just English theater, but the entire history of comedy, drag being central to. Oh, well, Milton Berle. That's my point. Every, all comedy throughout all of history, it's always going to have men in dresses. Because you're always going to be trying, like, because, let's face it, uh, misogyny and masculinity is the defining, right? Patriarchy, misogyny, obsession with masculinity is the defining thing that's driven so much of civilization. So if you want to poke fun at that, if you want to take the air out of that, you put a man in a dress. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's the way jesters attack to the powerful is you put a man in a dress. And by the way, why do you think American conservatives are attacking drag so hard? it's because they know it it they know it takes away their power they know that poke they know that entertaining for a moment the idea that men don't have to be whatever the presentation of masculinity is the minute you start poking holes in that the patriarchy goes away
2: uh, and well yeah it it's a lot i it's a lot to do as i said i mean i've known from
1: i don't I, as I said, it's so it it is weird how I I when I look back, yeah, right at my life, I
2: still don't know. I st- my life should have been so
0: different, very different, yes,
2: should have been so different, um, because I never kind of understood. What the problem was with how I wouldn't even want to talk about La Crash down in Montreal. Anyone who's as old as me and is from Montreal might have hit La Crash at some
1: point. Mm -hmm. It was a big club in Montreal in the late 60s. Um, and, and maybe it's
2: because in Canada we always had the Quebec scene, Mm
1: -hmm. which was, I'm there was there was so much in the way of drag in Quebec yeah. oh, even in, and if if you met people like I guess I never thought okay it
2: came up later on like are you born this way or It just seemed, okay, this is different people. This is different lifestyle. This is
0: different expressions.
2: And when I, I can remember when we went in the seventies and we saw, um, Outrageous. Right. And that was Toronto, the Toronto drag scene Mm -hmm. with Craig Russell. Go see it. YouTube Craig Russell. You'll find him. Um, Like, I try to remember if I thought because Dame Edna died. Yeah. And, I mean, Dame Edna was the epitome Mm -hmm. of Drake. Exactly. And he was
0: from Melbourne. Yeah. Right? This Melbourne comedian whose entire career, like entire 50-year career, was playing this elderly uh, lady. Yes. Well, she
2: she he had other right yeah um Barry had other characters um I remember yeah. we went to see him when he was in melbourne at one point and we went to see him and uh i mean it was so funny
1: mm-hmm.
2: oh my lord he was so funny and he did have different characters, characters course, edna became the became focal yeah. point but at that point so that would be the mid 70s i can't remember a story Well, it's like mid-70.
0: steve coogan he literally did a show uh yeah. right i mean people like steve coogan but they only want alan partridge you know and it's, so it's like steven coogan literally steve coogan literally did a live show that was called steve coogan as alan partridge and other less successful characters you know <laughs> <laughs> At a certain point, you have to respect that, like, this is what resonated with the audience. And Barry Humphreys understood that Dame Edna is what resonated with the audiences.
2: Oh, and Dame Edna was wonderful.
0: Oh, God. But, I mean, yeah. I've always loved Dame Edna ever since I was a kid.
2: Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, being in Australia, it was... Australia did some weird things, given that it's such a conservative country.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It has had some weird, weird... Oh yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, that's
0: where you can, you can make the argument that the conservative nature of it is part of what turns up the valve of needing the release of a, of a Dame Edna. Like it's what, it's what turns up the valve of you need to like, it's so conservative and it's so performatively masculine. Well, then you need this relief because everyone knows there's an artificiality to that. And then you get Dame Edna to safely release that valve. Yeah, and if you take away the safe reliefs of that valve, you get worse stuff. You get violence. You get oh. stone walls, which you know what helped a lot. But like allowing the harmless comedy drag ends up keeping a lid on a lot of the other stuff, right? And I mean, you can you say in many ways it's a minstrel show for the ta- trans community. Well, that's a <laughs> conversation we can have later. Okay. Right now we're talking about drag performers being brutally assaulted in America.
2: Yeah, and and, and it is so wrong. I still remember um like it was funny, hey, eh? the the 70s when I think think about all of that because they had that wonderful there's a wonderful scene in the rose. Yeah. Where she's in she's performing. Well, well she goes into one of these drag cl- clubs and sees that that not only they're doing barbara streisand but they're doing
1: her yeah
2: right um and we had well in australia people don't know robin archer all that much anywhere else except my students every now and then Mm -hmm. gets robin archer and then they go whoa right um you know you're gonna have to explain who robin archer
0: is to our listener right
2: okay. okay robin archer is an australian singer. And she, we went to see her again in Australia, uh, when we, in Melbourne. And she did something. She did two. She had two. We watched cabaret. This is the one we did go to see, which was called cabaret, where she performed as all sorts of different, um, singers, blues singers. Mostly blues singers, but not just. I mean, she did Marilyn Monroe. She did, uh, of course, um, Billie Holiday. She did Joplin. She did God. I think she did even Ethel Merman and all of that. Um, and she did a narrative narrative pattern about the difficulties that women who were singers had. But she also did something called the lady's choice, which was. Your gender bending album, like it was a gender bending cabaret performance as well, right, and then she did the album, and that's the only thing you can call it right? mm-hmm. <laughs> is but it also ha- was a social critique of australia um and then there was i mean she did songs like metwurst metwurst chewing mama <laughs> right? um
1: and then suburban suburban blues basically um it it was um
2: these things were cutting edge there was so much radical stuff that was in australia in the 70s that was canada can be boring when it comes to its radicalism <laughs> <laughs> i shouldn't put it that way but you know, I mean, our, the Francophone feminists were
1: so serious.
0: Yeah,
2: it's not a country known for its fun. Canada, well, no, but but of course we create most most American comics.
0: Yeah, you know, yes. a huge amount of American, uh, like, but the weird part is, uh, all of our comedians end up going down to America.
2: Well, yes, because the money's good, but they all seem to all come back eventually. eventually yeah.
0: You know, and and what was it I asked you? Canadian Bacon. Yeah. The Canadian Conspiracy. The Canadian Conspiracy. Oh, my God. I loved it so much. On YouTube. Yeah, it's all on YouTube. Well, no, but I think think because we are so state and we are so serious, it again goes to release valve. Like we need so the people who might have been okay comedians in the States become, you know, unbelievably important comedians here because we need it more than the States do. No, no. It's
2: our comedians go down there.
0: No, but I'm saying we're more talented than they are because we need it more than they do. We need the comedy more than the Americans do because we're such a serious place. And of course, they go down there because there was, as they say, more money down there, as you say. But the reason Canadian comedians are so talented is because they're surrounded by this very serious environment. See what I'm saying? It sharpens (laughs) them. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, um, it is very
2: interesting. What was, oh, Wayne and Schuster. Somebody has, is putting on a, at Hart House down in Toronto, a Wayne and Schuster, basically. Retrospective. A, retrospective, right? They're putting on different skits. And of course, the most famous being Rinse the Blood Off My Toga. Yes. Yeah. Which I show every time I, uh. I teach Roman history. I just can't pass it up.
0: (laughs) Um, Technically, uh, in case people don't know, their actual most famous routine is a bit called Shakespearean baseball. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And they were by far, and this actually came up in the Canadian Conspiracy, the most uh, popular act on the Ed Sullivan show.
2: Yeah, they had been on the Ed Sullivan show more times than any other. Yeah,
0: he had them on like like clockwork five times a year or something yeah. like that. Yeah, he was, they were... His favorite uh, act, no question. No question. <laughs> well, and we watched them every... Uh, oh yeah, and they had a I weekly comedy that, show here yeah. in Canada yeah. where there was like new Wayne and Schuster uh, comedy every single week for years and years and years. And they always said, uh, we could be, uh, you know... <laughs> We could be a uh, little fish in a big pond in America, or we could have the pond entirely to ourselves in Canada. Yes. But and they, they yeah. built the idea of Canadian comedy, which allowed, you know, there to be become this giant tradition of Canadian sketch comedy. With the kids in the hall and your various people from out East in the CODCO people
1: at CTV,
0: like all of that comes from, you know, the ground laid by Wayne and Schuster.
2: Yes. And you have to have seen it, but what was interesting, right? Because of course they, they had all sorts of things. They only had one. And that was the, who was it? it? Was, I guess, Tom, what's his face was, was asking them, whether they had to make any adjustments because there was only one woman in the cast.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. And there were other women, but there was one woman basically in the cast on the Wayne and Schuster show. Hmm. And, um, and so they were saying, well, um, did you have to make any changes, make any adjustments? You know, seeing as it's 2023 and we're looking back often in the past and you cringe. And they said, no, surprisingly, they didn't have to do anything. There was nothing that warranted making a shift Mm -hmm. in what they were doing. And they said, and she said, and then he said, but yeah, but you know, it's a man and a woman who are the key, who are Johnny Wayne and Frank Schuster. Yeah. And she said, well, yeah, but it's never. Sometimes I'm Johnny Wayne, sometimes I'm <laughs> in this, the woman, right? Yeah. And the man that said, you know, the same thing that
0: there they're all such cleanly stuff. written sketches that it doesn't. Yeah. He
2: said they are so tight. He said there was nothing you had to redo, and there was nothing that would be offensive today.
0: Yeah. It's not um, like when we go back and watch SCTV. At TV, it's and we're like, "Oh no, oh no, no! Please don't do that Chinese voice anymore." Yeah, ah, I didn't need to see that.
2: But somehow or another, Wayne and Schuster managed to. That's what they say. I'd have to go see it. But I've watched some of their skits, you know. And of course, doing the the weekly television show didn't mean that they were always one hundred percent on top of things. Of course.
0: You know but what they I mean, were is awesome. there? They were not political in a way that a lot of people at the time yeah. were. Uh, and they just weren't.
2: Helped.
0: That that, that I, did help the timeless quality of it.
2: Oh yes. come on, the brown pumpernickel. Oh my god! Instead of the scarlet, scarlet
0: pimpernel. Yes, I remember. I uh, know it, it is. It is. It is extremely clean comedy that anyone can watch. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think what they were trying to do at Laughin is very interesting i think what they were trying to do at the smothers brothers is incredibly interesting but you go back and watch it now and you're like wow this is made for the moment yes this is for, made for the moment in the 60s and it's not relevant to anybody after then it is an interesting historical artifact but it's yeah. not like oh well we're going to watch laughin for entertainment value no, 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 no. Where is Wayne, Wayne and Schuster? Yeah, you can Schuster. still watch Wayne and Schuster. I have. I've watched their ska- uh, sketches online. And yeah, it's it still works. Alright, yeah. to redirect us slightly, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed drag. 15 minutes about drag culture, but it comes back to what we were talking about. Uh, <laughs> I hate this episode. No, it's it's your right they, to hate this episode, okay? Me, I'm not saying you're not right to hate this episode. you were absolutely right to hate this
2: episode. It wa- I took me so long
0: to watch it because I'd watched 50, 10 minutes. And, and then I you had to stop. Like, I get it. I, All right. But I, the point I'm getting at is right, is that is a subject. The idea of transness is a subject that is so verboten. That is so, and I mean, I am amazed at how far the trans community has come in the past little while.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Like, it's it's fantastic. I mean, ever since we got that movie, right, where Felicity Huffman, you know, won her Oscar for playing a trans woman. Uh, it has forced people, and you could say, well, it would have been nice to get a trans woman in the part. Yeah, would have. But it started the conversation, you
2: know? Well, yes, sometimes sometimes that's what has to happen.
0: Yeah, it started the conversation. I hate that that's what it took, that that's what it took, but that's what it took. And it started the conversation. People had to, had to actually start engaging with this community, and it has been massively positive it has been incredibly hard for them it has been massively positive and now we are suffering through the backlash right well, the right wing is backlashing and they're trying to eradicate all trans people i, I don't even want oh no to. we're not we're not getting into it here but i um, know it, it is just horrendous what is oh, happening oh no, it's it's disgusting and i mean um uh what do you call it uh someone made wanna... a wonderful video about how jk rowling will be remembered as the um oh. Oh, oh, Jermaine Greer. Yes. ripped that woman. A, you Good. don't know about Jermaine Greer? Well, I know about Jermaine Greer. I didn't know she had uh, mean stuff to say about uh, J.K. Rowling. Oh, yeah. Just because you cut your dick off doesn't mean you're a fucking woman,
1: is what she said. Jermaine Greer did. Yes.
0: So she's anti-trans, too. Yeah. Jermaine Greer. Yes. Jesus yeah, Christ. I know. Who wrote i know so. i know it's right there yeah you know what uh got a real problem with you jermaine creer and all of these second wave feminists who have decided to pull up the ladder behind them
2: oh i mean even um, well susan Brownmiller. i can actually she has not made any comment on trans people yet okay, okay. well and i'm she hoping she probably. keeps her mouth shut on that subject well, yeah, and I suspect that she she just might after this and she what she said I can understand why she said it.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, so and it co- goes back to she was very concerned. She didn't like the idea of the slut walk. Yeah. And she didn't like the and she's been excori- excori- excoriated over the wrong things, I think. Yeah.
1: And she Um, I think that in some ways she just couldn't
2: understand. Right. There is, she said, but I'm just concerned. Right. Yeah. That all these women are going to, you know, get raped, get the whole thing right. That this idea that I can wear what I want. Yes, but the revolution. What she doesn't remember is the revolution
0: has moved.
2: You know, like the revolution we fought in the
0: 70s. Yeah, we're we're fighting new territory now. And I hate, I mean, however comfortable, however comfortable or uncomfortable the slut walk makes you. Yeah. D, at its core, it is fighting against the idea that women are culpable for being sexually assaulted. Yeah. And you have to fight against that idea. Yeah, and...
2: And the point, no, I'm not disagreeing with you at all, at at all, but I
0: am of my generation. No, it's hard. I'm I'm not saying that your generation is having an easy time with things like the slut walk. And even I am like, like, I get why it makes people uncomfortable, right? And, you know, there's part of it where I'm like, oof, is this the best way? But the fact is, we have to, I frigging hear people today. You know, there are, I mean, the amount of misogyny out there, right, the amount of guys who are to this day finding ways to uh, any way they can to blame a woman for rape, right? And so you have to completely decouple the idea that a woman can any way be responsible for being sexually assaulted. And I hate to say it, but the slut walk is part of that. Oh, and I don't, I mean, I don't even hate to say it. I mean, because I'll be getting into this, turns out, I guess
2: I'm teaching it in September and not in January. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Um so it's um because it is one of those things that comes up. Yeah. And we can talk about it. and but the point is is that you have to accept at the bottom point that there is no excuse. Mm-hmm. No excuse for child abuse, yeah. sexual abuse. There is no excuse for rape. Yeah whether it is of women or of men yep there is no excuse for it there mm-hmm. is no man Oh absolutely that has the right or no woman yep again it's mostly men mostly women but women still abuse women
0: abuse men, abuse. men ab- yeah absolutely
2: and boys b- men and boys get abused yep. there is no question about that oh 100% but this we live in a culture that wants to find any way, shape, or form of excuse yep. to justify sexual assault. Yeah. Whether it is quote minor or major. Yep. That somehow or another and women are complicit in it. Yeah. You know, how many of these uh, you know, I mean, what is it? You really want women to go through the hell you went through pretty much they do they do no. you know i mean these uh you know women with no power well women shouldn't have any power at all and then women think that having power means they get to behave like men i know within i mean so there's a complicity as well i mean it, it is complicated i'm not going to say it's a quote unquote complicated but the bottom line is no 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 no. and if someone wants to be no if someone is born trans i just saw another it was weird i just i've been watching waking the dead okay everybody should go watch waking the dead started in 2000 it is an interesting interesting um show british again it's on britbox yeah, but he also did another trans one. It was that was it was very interesting that the Brits keep doing this and all of during this period, right? That was show. It was the BBC. It was ITV. They would always come up with at least some of these shows. Yeah, you know, and people are. I do not know why. Is it the herd?
0: What do you mentality? mean?
2: It's the need for acceptance. Well, it's, well, we all know it's it's violent child abuse. Whether it's physical, physically violent or emotionally violent will keep people under the thumbs of their parents forever. Oh, yeah. I guess, yes, that's what I'm writing about.
1: It is.
0: <laughs> There's a whole book about it. It's called The Bible.
2: <laughs> There's a whole book about it.
0: Uh, no, but I mean, to... Like I was saying, the thing that's so key about this is I find the removal of Jimmy, Tim's transness to be an inexcusable change, right? Because it lost us an opportunity to say this is more complicated, right? To say that this is more complicated than you want it to be. The idea that they've got this guy, oh, well, you know, this... the. And the fact that it reframes, well, the teacher is gay. Yeah. Well, and the, well, teacher, the teacher is gay. gay and ergo, working a boys' school? Yeah. Like, with
2: a Catholic boys' school
0: with because the boys are in uniform. This is what I'm saying. Well, probably Catholic. We don't know for sure. But probably. Well, pro- yeah. No, all we can say is probably a Catholic boys' school. We can't say any more than that. But the point is, like, them, because it reinforces the idea of gay men as predators. But that's not what's going on here, and that's why the original is so interesting, because the dude was a potential predator, and he did everything possible to stop, and fate got in his way, but then he didn't even kill Tim. No. And he didn't even kill Tim is the irony, and the thing that frustrates me so much when I'm watching the episode is, I think there's so much I could have forgiven about this episode if they hadn't cut the moment that is so central, like that key moment that says, we understand the audience, you, the audience are smart enough to see this. And that moment where Fitz misses the teacher this, oh, finding out that this. Tim was killed. Cause up until that moment, he thinks I've, I drove Tim to suicide. I, oh. I'm going to kill myself. And then he finds out that Tim was murdered and he climbs down off the ledge. And I actually that's not in the episode. And I stopped and I went back and I rewatched it to make sure that it wasn't there. He never even tells him that Tim, like the assumption starting is that Tim was murdered. Yeah. Like no one even has the understanding that Tim, like it's never thought really for a second that Tim could have committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah, and that frustrated me to no end. That, no, I mean, th- that was the, Lemmings was worse than Mad Woman. Lemmings was worse than yeah, Mad Woman because, I mean, and I'm going to say it because the original Lemmings is a much better episode than the original Mad Woman. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you even leave out, you get the scene where he and the lieutenant are yelling at each other about how he's got to let this guy go, but you haven't done the work that the original did with Bainborough of establishing what a high profile case this is. Yeah, I know. And how like the entire community is, you know, racing to the door of this thing, demanding justice for this murdered kid. And he can't very well go back out there and say, "Ah, we've got a confession, but the real killer's still out there. Right. So it's like, they lose the social aspect. They lose the character aspect. They lose the chance to teach us more about fits. They lose a chance to build out the world that the show is set in. Because in LA, the place is too big, the The town of LA is too big for this one murder to matter. Yeah. Like, it's really frustrating watching this episode. They had only put it in a smaller town. Yeah, if this had been set in a smaller town, you know, if this has been set in Denver, Colorado, know. you know, it's or even Faraday. upstate. Hell, set it in Sacramento. Like, it's a yeah. small enough town that this one murder could drive the entire town nuts. But Los Angeles. How many murders are there a day? Okay, probably not that many, but two, you know. This isn't Whatever. going to draw everybody's if attention.
2: It, given the number of murders in the United States.
0: No, but I'm just saying like it's not going to pull attention the way it did in the original. So oh. yeah, like they they brutalized this story.
1: Oh yeah, it they was They stripped
0: uh, out everything good. Uh, so if uh, you're wondering, why did we just talk about trans rights and feminism and all of that for so long? Uh yeah, that that's why. It's because we were you looking for any excuse to not talk about how they butchered one of our favorite episodes of Cracker, which is sounds like a bit of a cheat cuz to a very real extent all of the episodes of Cracker written by <laughs> Jimmy are our favorite episodes of Cracker, but yeah, it's it's very frustrating. Yeah,
2: it's very frustrating. And
0: I'm going to leave you with a final thought which is um Maybe it sounds like we're making uh transness too much about feminism and we're too mad at, uh what do you call it, Uh at feminists for not standing up for trans people. Like, it might seem that way, but what's important to remember is the attack on trans people is an attack on women and is what? an attack on gay people. It is. They just want to separate oh. people out and make them vulnerable because and the it all comes down to why do you never hear anything about trans men if it's transness they had a problem with why do you never hear anything about trans men because the attack on trans women at its core is there is nothing more terrifying to the patriarchy and systems of power than the idea you can opt out of being male yeah right because it's an entire system that exists only to prop up male supremacy. Because, well, what does that mean if you can opt out of being male? You see, because Freud said, "Yeah,
2: Freud said that all women have penis envy.
0: <laughs> so why would a woman, exactly. why would a man want to become a woman? This is my point exactly, thank you. What? And that yeah, is at no, the no, core of all of this anti-trans hate. Yeah. Is it... The idea that a man could opt out of being a man It it so attacks, it so brutally attacks everything upon which they have built their entire society. And that's why winning, I mean, I'm not going to say that winning the trans fight is more important than winning the right for women's equality. But in a very real way, they are more scared of trans women than they are of women. Because it suggests, be like women getting power? Does not at its core say you can opt out of being a man, and the existence of trans women says it is possible to opt out of being a man. Now, yes, remember, and, and we always talk about this.
2: And as I tried to get my class, okay, so you see, Hatshepsut had to dress like a man to be in power. Yep. Okay, and Angela Merkel. Has anybody ever seen her in a skirt? Was it was one question. <laughs> you no. Know. And, and Hillary Clinton, how often do you ever see her in yep. anything but her
0: pantsuit? Exactly. Because again, you know? it's performative masculinity. And uh, by the way, just before, before we go, I just want to say, no, I don't believe being trans is a choice. When I say opting out of being a man, I'm talking about the socially constructed structures they have built around the concept of masculinity, which is something we built. I'm saying that how it, in a world of masculine and feminine being a binary that they have built, which was always a lie, they see transness as opting out of masculinity. And that is the thing that terrifies them the most. I'm not saying that that's how it works psychologically. I understand that people are born trans. I'm saying this is what it looks like to them. And this is why it terrifies them.
2: Yes. And we are not going to ever (laughs) go, go this, this, that. Oh, wait. Uh, All right. So... Reminding, reminding people, you know. Yeah. Just exactly what we're talking about. This is. I know. It breaks my heart to watch. I still remember that we are going to just have to do an episode that will revolve around Quincy.
0: Yeah. And that, that episode. episode. Because
2: that's the first time
0: that it was, you know, mainstreamed in this kind of venue.
2: Yeah. And in a, in a show, and there is Quincy saying, but no, you know,
0: yep. and no. And so it, anyway, right. next week we're going to be back uh, with two episodes. <laughs> uh, Hell hath no fury, which is one of their new episodes. And uh, Tis Pity She's a Whore, which is them trying to cram all three hours of To Say I Love You into one episode of television. So that should be interesting. We'll join us back here for that. But for now, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you're listening to this on an app or podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review. That's how people find the show. We'll see you back here next time for more of the show we hate the most, American Cracker. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir.
2: And have a good week.